Thank you, Robert. Thank you so very, very much for that spiritual mind treatment. To begin our service, good morning, heart and soul. Good morning. So on our adventure in faith, and y'all know that that's, that has been the core for our, the our annual theme has always been contained in an awareness that we are on an adventure in faith, always and in all ways. Yeah? Okay, for some of us, anyhow. Let me just speak for those I know about, and, and I'll just declare it for us. And then the rest of y'all just, you know, take your time, and it'll, 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 it'll come to you in time, as folks used to say to me. Just, just keep going. It'll come to you. Absolutely. So this notion of an adventure in faith and this idea for 2022, we declared that we are moving forward together. Now, I don't pretend that we knew how we were going to do that. We simply declared that what was important to us, given that, that this experience in being uh, in COVID in all of its iterations and being sheltered in place and needing to, to do whatever it was we needed to do through our grief and our depression and everything that we went through. If we were able to pass the mic among those of us who are in the room and, and give you at home a chance to, you could even put it in the chat if you chose to. But what we know for sure is just that there is, that we have all been through it. We've all been through it. Whatever name you give to it, whatever label, and some of us knew to just put a post-it on it, to not like type it up and stick it on, but to just put a post-it on, something that we knew we could take off and update and we could shift it because there's nothing wrong with declaring that this is hard. This right here, even a disciple said to the master teacher, this right here is a hard teaching. This is a hard lesson. This is, <laughs> my mother's folks used to say, this is a hard road to hope. And it's okay to acknowledge that. You just don't want that to be your nickname. You don't want that to become your identity, the way you see yourself, the way you move in the world. But it's okay to acknowledge that this part right here is hard. I'm in grief right now. I am pushed to the absolute maximum. But the thing about maturing is that there comes a point that I have realized that 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 I thought wore me out, that that I thought even took me out, it's my friend now because I know it brought me something. It brought me something that I would not have recognized, that I would not have opened to, that I would not have transformed my living if I had not experienced that. If that had not come my way, I would not be me, the me you know right now, the me that I have grown to love and trust, and want to hang out with. But for some of that that I cursed at the time, yeah, I did. Wanted it to back off. 
now I recognize that. And sometimes even now I think, if I can just lean into it, you know, rather than being frightened of it, of being at the very precipice of transformation, rather than fearing it, if I can just lean into it, if I can authentically inquire, what is it that you have for me? What is it that you brought me? Because the truth is that I've never been left alone. I've acted like it. I've acted like I've been abandoned. I've weeped and wailed and called God, you know, just why me, Lord? And then praise God, the prodigal daughter in me has come to herself and she's like, never mind, I get it now. I know why it's mine to do. I know why this is the this is the road that I must travel. This is what is held for me for my highest and best. Now, don't get me wrong. I have never had an experience where the highest and best revealed itself first. It may be going to happen, and y'all may have a different life. Y'all may be saying, well, for me, Rev, it's very different. The highest and best always shows itself. I claim it, and then I choose to go through life experiences that strengthen my resolve to claim my highest and best. That's not my experience. My experience is that I, it's like peeling an onion, that I get to the highest and best part in tears. When I get through all of the layers of it. But y'all are more advanced. I just, let me, let me stop talking about how it is for me. Because y'all are way more advanced and you, you are working this out in a different way. You don't need that part of it like some of us do. Me and my cousins. We, we need it. But look, what I, what I love about what we introduced during summer school and we continue to do, even as we, even as we fall into our shift, this being the very beginning of the fall season. So we are just... What? Leaning in, we are falling into shift gracefully. We're not being pushed in. We're not being shoved in. We are falling in gracefully. Yes. Ooh. So look at here. In the four pivots, which is what we introduced during summer school, where we know it's about reimagining justice, somebody's got to do it. You know, on Wednesdays, we entertain this notion of imagining justice because somebody's got to do that because we've not yet experienced it. We talk about it. We've written about it. We have foundations laid that imply that we're open to justice. And yet that's not what we've experienced in these United States. And so we are reimagining justice. And we're reimagining ourselves. Why? Because there's no way who we've been. You see, who we have been has gotten us what we have. So we cannot expect to continue to be who we've been and have it be different. Did I lose anybody? Okay, y'all are clear about that, that if we keep being how we've been, we're going to continue to have what we got now. So if we intend, if we're busy reimagining, if we have another vision for justice and how we are with each other, <laughs> then we're going to have to be different. We're going to have to reimagine ourselves. 
I'll need to reimagine myself, which I'm doing, wearing me out. Can I just say? I mean, it rolls off the tongue. I'm reimagining myself. I mean, it's just like, ooh. It makes you, you, some of you are thinking, oh, I'd like to do that too. This is one of those times where I could easily say, be careful what you ask for. Because reimagining ourselves authentically, now not just a thought where we just, you know, sip some wine and under the effect of the, <laughs> of the <laughs> impression of the wine where we have some new idea that we no longer remember after the effect has passed. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about an authentic shift, a vision that we are committed to, to holding for ourselves, investing in ourselves, applying for ourselves. That's what I'm talking about. Reimagining where I am literally reimagining myself. An example is, oh no, why am I giving an example, Lord? I could have just let that hang and move on, huh? Oh, Lord. Okay. All right. That I've noticed of late, I've had, I was given the gift of a seminar, a personal, private seminar in... You are not who you think you are. That was my little private, God-led seminar. And because I was really convinced that I had, you know how you take a class and you're like, I already got that, I don't need to repeat that. In fact, I, who wants to borrow my book? Because I'm not even rereading it. I'm not even going to focus on that. My notes, you can have all of it. Because I'm done, I did that. I was kind of in that place. And then life offered me a situation, a circumstance, that knocked me to my knees. And if I had been asked the question, if life gives you this kind of situation, what will you do? Oh, sookie, sookie, I would have waxed eloquent about how I would have approached it, what all I would have known at the spiritual level. I would have been able to tell you from whence I've come. I would have turned it into a Sankofa moment. That I had done all this. If this had come 10 years ago, oh, it would have been very different. But now, I would have set it up that I would have been in a transformed consciousness. And I would have responded from the highest, most inclusive, most loving, most understanding. I would, in a biblical sense, have needed a new name. But when the thing presented itself, I may not have gone back to full 10 years, but I know I went back six and a half. And I was embarrassed. But I was also in grief. I was so at the effect of the situation and the circumstance that I got more and more caught up in. Because then there was a moment when I was mad at me for being me because I didn't want to be that me. So then I couldn't handle the situation because I was beating me up. Because you're not who you're supposed to be. 
God, I wish I hadn't shared that example because I'm not quite sure how to put a, you know, let me just, okay, that's the end of the example. Because <laughs> so, I thought, well, Lord, you took me out there. How are we going to put a bow on this? Leave me hanging out there with all my little undies exposed and stuff. So look, the four pivots. <laughs> not, not the Andriette, but the four pivots. That's what we're talking about here. Okay, so look, let's go to the let's go to the four pivots because what we're wanting to look at is awareness. The very first pivot is about awareness. It's about moving from from. <laughs> well, now I get why I shared mine, because that's exactly what it was, moving from the lens where you're looking out there and just reading the world and giving commentary on all of that, and oh, I know that, and this is what I do. If ah! It's a mirror moment where it's absolutely about me, not in a selfish way, but in a self-aware way. What am I bringing to this? How, how am I, where, the way I say it to me is, where are my fingerprints? Let me look to see in this, because this is, this, there is a this, or there appears to be. And how am I in this, this? Where are my fingerprints? Where are my thoughts? Where, where is my mindset in this? Yes? It's about self-reflection. Pivot number two is about connection. It's moving from transactional to transformational. In relationships, often we will notice that our relationships, the ones that we're not having fun in, especially if you look carefully at those, you may find that they're more transactional than anything else. You're in them for something other than your heart being open to humanity. Around vision, and this is where I'm, I'm want, well, I'm hanging out in all of it today. I'm highlighting still number three. It's about vision. And I, I'm, I'm probably going, well, who knows what's going to happen next time, time after that. Let me just say that for today, I want to remind you that heart and soul is founded out of vision. Meaning that the very origin of heart and soul, when before we were forming, we met. There was a vision core, a group of people who met to, to catch God's vision for heart and soul. It did, we didn't even have a name at the time. In fact, heart and soul center of light was revealed. Those very words were revealed through visioning. The very words. I didn't like them. I'm just telling you, I thought, no, I don't want to be called no heart and soul. That, ooh, it just felt a little, ah, nah, I didn't want to do that. And I remember when the vision, we were visioning in my home at the time, and when they left, we had the words, but we were trying to figure out, you know, how it was going to, what the final form was going to be. And then it got late, and they said, you just, well, you just do it. And I was like, no, we just, no, I'm going to leave it with y'all. You just do it. Leave, they left it with me. And what I did was I put the post-it, the flip chart post-it paper. My living room at the time was just wallpapered with this visioning notes. But I took that into my bedroom and put it on the closet right opposite my bed so that it was the last thing I saw at, at that night and the first thing in the morning. 
And when I awakened, it was as clear to me as if it had been typed up and printed out and distributed. And I thought, oh, Lord, please, no. Don't make us do this. This couldn't be it. I had planned on awakening with a whole different sense of it. But that was not, and I have grown to love it. I remember my dear friend Susan Taylor said, you know, it couldn't be nothing else. What else could it be? This was years later, because at first, we, neither of us were like, ah. But later, she was like, it has to be on its own. But do you see the order of things? That the vision was not what I embraced right away. It had to, I had to grow into it. It, it was. It always was right and good and perfect. But I couldn't see its righteousness. I couldn't see the good clearly. I could not see the perfection in that at all. And I'll own it. I do want to say I was not alone. It doesn't matter. I could have been. I could have been. But we all have come to a place of what we did know is to not treat it like a problem. We were so grounded in the power of vision and our commitment to vision that we didn't treat it as a problem. So we didn't try to fix it. We didn't try to, well, let's try to add something. We kind of knew better because we, we knew that we were, we were on, we knew that we were in divine mind. We knew we were literally in the creative process. Why? Because none of us had founded no church. So we were just in the full trusting, in the full listening for all that was for us. And what that says is pivot number four, presence. We were wholly reliant on divine presence even when we disagreed with it. You know, we knew not to, to try to exert our choice. It didn't mean we didn't say, why, Lord? But we knew to, we knew to trust in it. And that has always served us well. You know, I think in the... In the um, progression in the maturation of an organization. I think we leaders can get to a point where they know best because now I've been doing it 13 years. You know, so I got this, Lord. I know you didn't carry me this far, but I got this part right here. So what, I'm be what we're beginning to do in our leadership core is to remind ourselves that we don't have to got it. That What's appropriate for us is to absolutely surrender and be open to divine presence. Be open and available to that. Because what's required is that what we change our thinking in order to change our life. So here's the thing, y'all. We must be willing, each and every one of us, to change our minds and pivot. And you know, a pivot is but a small shift. So an airline pilot, pilot, there are so many fields, experts in their field, who will tell you that just that slight shift is going to make such a major difference as you move down the way. Can, can you see that? Just that slight shift 
makes such a difference. So many examples are coming to my mind around that, but let me move with this. Excuse me. <coughs> I want to remind you that we've been rocking with Romans 12 and 2, and do not imitate. In some versions, it says, do not be fashioned according to. I'm going to say to you, do not force your square peggedness into a round hole. You know, so the world is as the world is. And it will continually invite you to form yourself in a way that you fit in. I'm not so clear you want to fit in. You, you don't want to be so clear you want to fit in. I, I know it's almost like a little inner energetic that says fit in. You want to follow that with in what? Fit in what? Fit into a war consciousness? Fit into inequality where you can rest in inequality? Or what exactly are you fitting into in the world? Are you fitting in where you will be all right with elders not being safe? Are you really willing to fit in to a consciousness and an experience where children don't have enough to eat? Or in a consciousness where, where women are being told that they don't have the right to determine their own health and well-being. What exactly are you trying to fit into? What exactly are you trying to imitate? And I know it's a real thing for some, trying to go along to get along. Well, I just won't say anything because, you know, I don't want to start. Maybe you need to start something. Maybe you do. I mean, I don't know. I'm not telling you to start nothing, but I'm just saying. You, I'm just saying mm -hmm. that you must be willing to change your mind, to pivot. Are you willing? That's the real question there. So look, at this point, it's important that you know the truth about your problem. Yeah? So what is the problem exposing or revealing to you. Just bring to mind whatever it is that you might be struggling with at on any anywhere on the spectrum of struggle. Disappointment, like what well, I already told you a story. You could use mine for the example, but don't use yours. Having heard mine, pick one for you. And then look at it with these questions. So what is your problem? And I'm putting it in air quotes because it, it, at some point we're going to realize it's not really a problem. But it is something I'm working with, working through. What do you realize now that you did not fully acknowledge before the problem was exposed? Like what was already there? You know what I'm saying? The problem didn't just magically change you. You have, you know... You were there, and you in the problem. You got something. You in the problem. You got something going on. Just saying. 
what is the potential? I know you're not there yet to see the benefit, but what's the potential benefit of this so-called problem? What might it have for you? What possibilities might you generate using the law of faith? See, this is where our principles intersect beautifully with the four pivots. So rather than trying to fix the problem, we're going to lean into possibility creating. You know, in Mark 11, 23 and 24, it's, it's where Scripture tells us that if anyone says to the mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in their heart. This is what the prayer of faith is. If that one believes what he says, it will happen. If that one believes that it will happen, that's what will be done. So belief is key to faith. You don't have to have faith to believe, but you have to have belief in faith. Look, it was James following Jesus who said, this is Ernest Holmes saying, and the prayer of faith shall save the sick and the Lord shall raise him up. This, Ernest Holmes says, implies that spiritual power can be used for physical healing. Now, my prayer is that all of y'all are thinking in your mind right now, Rev, we've been knowing that. And not because you heard it, we've been knowing that by virtue of our own experience. Faith, Ernest Holmes says, is the key to the use of this power. Faith itself is not the power, but the way to use it. Yes? So faith isn't the power, but when you bring faith to your understanding of divine presence, then you have access to the power. <clears throat> oh, Lord, yes. Dr. Jamie Lula, who brings us a level of musical brilliance and creativity and wrote a song a good while ago. There's a healing going on. So you, you heard what I said that, that Ernest Holmes was talking about this idea that, that the prayer of faith can be used for physical healing. It can, it's used for healing, period. And so this notion of there's a healing going on, part of the lyric that Jamie Lula wrote in this song, he says, I see the blessings of the past. Come on, it's time to requalify. Let's not forget, but learn to forgive. God knows we got to try. He says, it's my responsibility to heal the wounds in me. Compassion, faith, and hope, and love, and truth will set us free. We can begin to simply declare that for ourselves. You, you see, I, I know there's going to be some stuff in life. That's, we know it's an adventure in faith, right? So when the adventure part kicks up and we go, oh, that part right there, we might say there's a healing going on. I'm just saying. You don't have to. But as for me and my house, 
there's a healing going on where you used to say, dang it, why me? What? Not again. Now we can say, there's a healing going on. Lord, there's a healing going on. Mother, there's a healing. Father, there's a he Whatever you, however you want to set it up. But the bottom line is to recognize that whatever it is we're going through, remember we talked about knowing the truth about your problem. Your problem is the setup for the healing. That's what it is. I know we've been calling it a problem and we've been wanting it fixed or we've been loving on it because we're not sure we want it fixed because we know the fixing is really within us or the change that is required is really an inside job and we're not really interested in having no inside shift happening. So we just think we're just going to keep presenting the problem in the world because what? The world recognizes problems and gives it plenty con attention and so this is this idea of not conforming to the world because the world will invite you sometimes. Tell me if I'm mistaken about this, please. Sometimes you are doing not just fine, but you're doing mighty fine. And somebody you know who's not experiencing the reality or the consciousness of mighty fine will ask you how you're doing and you'll tone down your mighty fine. I don't think there's a one of us that hasn't toned down our magnificence, our mighty fineness. Things are going well. And then so-and-so who hasn't claimed the wellness, the mighty fineness of their life, ask you, how you doing? And you know you decide in that moment you're not going to share the mighty fineness of it. Same old, same old, you say. Acting like that's not going to impact your, who you are and how you be. Oh, you know it, that some is up and some is down. You know, you got your little saying that you throw out to the ones hanging in there. Is a good, and you know you just left the mountaintop. And in that moment of, of the inquiry, <laughs> you get your ticket punched for the valley. There's, because you've been hanging out in a space in the world where the valley is a more acceptable subject than the mountaintop. Mother, Father, God, there's a healing going on. And it's all about a consciousness of faith, a prayer of faith. Faith, Ernest Holmes says, is a mental attitude. And, and I need you to, when, when you see the, the slide with this, it literally is in the science of mind, the, the seminal work that we call the textbook. And that's because we use it that way. It is not. It is simply the written work of the insights of Ernest Holmes. Um, looking at scripture and spiritual principle. 
but it's all literally in caps. This part I'm sharing with you, I have not done this for effect. This is literally the way it appears. Faith is a mental attitude which is so convinced of its own idea. What? A mental attitude. You've been there. Can't nobody tell you about that. What? It don't matter who they are, from whence they have come, or where they're going. Because you standing in that, that's faith. Now, sometimes it's knuckleheadedness. <laughs> Let me just be clear. <laughs> sometimes it's a little knuckleheadedness. But often, when we're talking about the highest and best, and when it's, when it's, it's based on spiritual principle, it's faith. So it's this mental attitude which is so convinced of its own idea, which so completely accepts it. So not only is it the mental attitude that is convinced of its own idea, it is accepting of it to the degree that any contradiction is unthinkable or impossible. You know, I grew up knowing the story that as an infant, that medical science, that I was hospitalized with double pneumonia as an infant, just uh, about a month old, maybe about six weeks old, and called my parents in to say that, you know, you need to get this baby christened because you're not taking her home, is what they literally told my parents. And so I grew up knowing that medical science had given up on me, that they had, because essentially when that message is delivered, we've done all we can. There's nothing more we can do. You need to get this baby blessed and, you know, and make some arrangements. And whenever I share this, I always wish there was, could be a little more of a cliffhanger. <laughs> but it's usually about this point that I realize nobody is on the edge of their chair, Andriette. <laughs> Nobody is, what? And then what happened? <laughs> 70 years later, you hear telling the story. So, oh, I just, I don't know what that is about me, but I feel like I ought to be looking at y'all and you'd be like, what? What happened then? <laughs> but I guess you have already figured out that not only did I live, but I lived for a long time after that. But because I grew up, Knowing that, even if I didn't understand it, it was a thing that was just a part of my beingness. I knew that my life was not about what any human could do or thought they could do other than prayer. That's all I ever understood was that the prayer call went out. And so I grew up believing that my life was on account of prayer. Ernest Holmes says, before such a mental attitude can be created, there must be nothing left in the subjective state of our thought and our subconscious. There must be nothing left. Can you see that for family, they like, okay, we, we, were, we were up there praying for the doctors and nurses before. Now we like, okay, even they have stopped praying about what they're doing. And it's now prayer at another level. I hope you're getting this. Faith, like we're talking about here, will not be denied. It will not take no for an answer. It speaks an affirmative language. This is how you know it's faith. 
because it's it's it will it's if your thought is it's not gonna be da 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 that's not faith. It may be on the road to you building your faith, but faith is always an affirmative declaration. All right? So look, we are we are at that point where I now invoke Revelations 21 and 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Because this is that from that place of faith. It hasn't manifested, but I see it. I see it, and it must be, this is our work now. This is why I keep trotting out this same scripture. It's so that at some point, it really lives in us as us. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, and all of the stuff that I was afraid of, all of the stuff that I used to say will never live in a society, in a culture, in a community where elders are completely safe. Some of us hearken to a time when, you know, front doors weren't locked. None of us are believing now that we'll return to that. But maybe we could shift that. I saw a new heaven and a new earth where equality was a real thing, where acceptance and inclusion is real. I saw a new heaven and a new earth where I am practicing those principles. Because, see, that's the only way it's going to really happen, is that it must include. And this awareness, behold, I make all things new, I always include that scripture with that verse 5, with that first verse, because some of us are thinking it's too late. Some of us are thinking it's water under the bridge. And so I'm reminding us that, behold, I make all things new that that's the baseline, that the new thought, the new idea, the redo is on and cracking in the vernacular. Look, there is something that is calling each and every one of us more deeply than we've ever been called before. Behold, I make all things new. I, I know we've had those moments in time where, where we have experienced the divine transformation in a relationship, in a circumstance, a health and wellness crisis. And, you know, we, each of us probably has at least one situation that we could offer as an example. Behold, I make all things new. I'm not done with you yet. They're going to be more miracles. They're going to be more situations and circumstances that are revelations where the shift is. Our brother, my brother, Jamie Lula, wrote a song. Part of the lyric is, Oh, Lord, take me deeper than I've ever been before. Pull me deeper than I've ever been before. I know I'm not the only one to live inside these blues. Oh, Lord, I surrender my life to you. 
this is like the soundtrack to me for the prayer of faith. And today, as I often will do, or sometimes I have done, is I will bring um, either a prepared prayer or taking parts of it. And so this prayer is really constructed. I'm kind of simultaneous, I'm, I'm uh, real-time constructing it out of um, a passage from this thing called you, one of, one of Ernest Holmes' works, um, where he talks about your prayer of faith will reach a level in your experience equal to the level of realization in your own consciousness when you make your affirmation. So a prayer of faith kind of shifts the level. Well, you know how we say water will seek its own level? It, it's shifting that level. It's raising the level of your conscious awareness of the truth of your being. Yeah? So join me in prayer. There is one power, one presence, and one life. The living spirit is right where I am, within, around, and through me. I am in spirit. Spirit is in me. Spirit knows as me. Spirit sees through me, thinks in my mind, and acts through my act. This wellspring of life flowing up through me knows no obstruction, no congestion, no imperfection. There is a pattern of perfection at the center of my being a divine and heavenly pattern of wholeness. Every organ, action, and function of my being is spiritual. The spirit is perfect in every aspect of my being. I live in peace, in joy, and in perfect life. I know I live under the government of divine law. I know I live in the presence of divine love. I surrender everything that seems imperfect to that which is whole, perfect, and complete. There is no anxiety, no tension, no strain. There is no doubt there is no uncertainty. I know and I know that I know that it is impossible for me to be separated from the kingdom of God which is within me and all around me. I am surrounded and enfolded by the love of God which is the very kingdom of God. In this kingdom, there is peace, power, and plenty. I live in this kingdom now. I live here in this kingdom. I live in this kingdom forevermore. And so it is in an attitude of gratitude and thanksgiving 
that I accept this awareness, that I accept this power, that I accept this knowing that I am just as I am right now, whole, perfect, complete. That we are, each and every one of us, whole, perfect, complete. That everything is working together for the greatest good. The highest possible vision and unfoldment, demonstration, realization, manifestation. Oh, I just give thanks. It is in divine anticipation of the perfect unfoldment, fulfillment of this word. The realization in each life of the truth of each one's true being. This prayer of faith cannot possibly return void. I know that it must absolutely produce. And produce in like kind, there must be an alignment. I have established a mental equivalent, and for this I give thanks. That this is done, and done well in the divine. In divine mind, expressing as divine unfoldment of this truth. For this and so much more I give thanks. I let go, releasing this word into the perfect activity of law. I accept it as so, now and forevermore. And so it is. Ashe. Amen. Love matters.